the Jesus people. Actually, the, when they were first called Christians, it was kind of like a derogatory word, like, oh, they're the Christians. Like, it, was, it wasn't sort of a good name, but we call ourselves Christians. But another thing that they were called were followers of the way. And you even see this in, in some of the letters of the New Testament that, that people were speaking bad of the way, or these people were true to the way. And, and, and that sort of um, understanding of what it means to be a Jesus follower is to be someone who follows the way of Jesus. And what we want to do this year is spend some time looking at Jesus and looking at his way and looking at who he is and what it means to live and be in relationship with him, what it means to be in his kingdom, what it means to be his people. Because sometimes, sometimes our sort of understanding of what it means to be a Christian can just be like, it's just about being forgiven, then you go to heaven. It doesn't really matter. Nothing else sort of really matters. And it is about being forgiven. And it is about being with God forever. But Jesus came to show who God is and what it means to be fully alive in God and what it means to be truly human and what it, what it looks like to have eternal, the eternal kind of life. And Jesus calls us to follow him and follow his way. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're, we're looking at Jesus and we're looking at his teachings, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is kind of the, one of the key teachings of Jesus in, in the book of Matthew. But we want to go into it some, in some detail and so that we don't get like overwhelmed, we're going to break it up. Like if we did it all in one go, it might take like 20 weeks or something like that and sort of like think about that. And it's kind of overwhelming. So what we're going to do is like have the way, just the first little bit, we're going to have a go at that, and then we're going to have a break and do something else, and we're going to come back and have a second part, have a break, third part, fourth part. So we're kind of going to take the year to kind of look at this and break it up with some other things, looking at how to help us follow Jesus and follow his way um, as a community. And um, the, the interesting thing with, with this is we're kind of almost changing our style of teaching a little bit, because instead of Instead of looking primarily, I guess, at ourselves or what are our needs, what are our issues, and, and starting there with our problems and how God can help them, we're going to start with Jesus and what he says and where he says to go. And then that idea of like when you're following someone, you have to look at them. You have to look at where they're going, look at the steps that they take and see them and focus on them. And that's sort of our goal and our desire. So you might even notice the teaching sounds a little bit different because, because we're not sort of focused primarily on what, what we need but on what he says and where he's leading us. So I'm going to get started today, and this is, this is from Matthew chapter 4, um, a little bit before Jesus does this teaching in, on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's called Jesus in the Wilderness. Are you guys, Will, are you able to see if you can get it up the back? It just, it went off um, this morning, but they were able to get it back up. But I'll just turn around till then, so it's all good. Cool. So I want to talk you through this passage um, You've probably heard it before. It's this passage of Jesus being tempted. But there's some interesting things about that. So I just want to clarify before we get started. I'll read out the first little bit. It says this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So there might be some weird things there to start with. All right. Like if you've never been to church before or this is kind of new, there might be some things that sound a bit strange. The first thing is that it mentions the devil, right? And that kind of seems a bit weird, maybe a bit superstitious, but, but we actually believe, Jesus believed, Christians teach that evil is real, and that there is an enemy of God, that, that he is someone who comes to tear down and to destroy and to kill, and he is against Jesus, and he's coming against Jesus and trying to tear down what Jesus is doing. As well, though, this is kind of weird, right, the idea that Jesus is hungry, like, it does kind of, it's kind of forgiven, like a given in a sense, right? Like he hasn't eaten in 40 days, he was hungry. 
40 days, like if we fasted from yesterday for 40 days would be till the 21st of March. So it's like a long time with no food at all. And Jesus has been fasting and he actually is hungry. Uh, You've probably heard it said before, right? That Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is God. And sometimes you can read the Bible or, or hear things about Jesus and sort of think, oh, well, of course Jesus could fast 40 days. He's God. Or of course Jesus could heal people. He's God. Or of course he could, he could do these things. He's God. But the interesting thing that we have to understand when we read about Jesus is that he is fully God and he's fully human. But when he's on earth, he's, he's living as a human. He's not accessing all the powers that he has of God. It, it says this in Philippians. It says that Jesus came from heaven and he emptied himself. So when he's on earth, he doesn't know everything. He, he doesn't, he can't just do, he, well, he can, but he chooses not to use his power for things. Instead, he chooses to live as a human, as a human was meant and intended to live, fully trusting his father. So when Jesus, when it says that he was hungry, he literally was hungry. He, his body needed food just as much as our body needs food. So as we go through this passage, I just want you to look at Jesus, and this is, this is him in the wilderness, him in this time of testing, him in this time of trial. And if you've been a Christian for longer than maybe like a, a year or, or even less than that, you probably know something about wilderness, that, that you can come to know God, and it's this amazing thing, and, and there's the truth, and we read his word, and it's awesome. But then after a while, things can get hard. Things that worked before don't seem to work anymore. There's doubts where there were, where seemed to be certainty. There's sort of insecurity. There's, there's opposition, there's suffering, there's difficulty. And God can actually allow these things in our lives and has a purpose in them. And he wants to teach us how to walk through the wilderness so that he can grow and lead us. Um, so what we're gonna do is have a look. How does Jesus deal with the wilderness? How does he survive the wilderness? What does he do when this enemy, when this accuser comes at him and tries to destroy him? How does Jesus survive? Because we want to follow his way and learn from him. The interesting thing is just before this, in this book of Matthew, Jesus has had this amazing experience that he's come, he's 30 years old, for all his life, he's, he's just been a son to his parents, a bro- brother and a sister. He's worked as a carpenter. He's a tradie. He's been doing his job. He's been serving God. But now is the time to fulfill the call on his life that God has. And Jesus gets baptized. It's like the start of this. And this amazing thing happens. The heavens open. God the Father speaks to Jesus and says, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. That Jesus knows his father loves him and trusts him. He's had this miraculous, amazing experience. But just after that, he's led into the wilderness, into this difficult time. It's this time where there's not the amazing, wonderful experiences, but this time of fasting and praying and waiting and there's difficulty. So this is what happens. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So remember, just before this, God has said to him, you are the son of God. I approve of you. I love you. And Jesus trusts his father. But then this accuser comes and wants to test this or question it or doubt. He says, if it's true that you are the son of God, then if you're hungry, you can just speak a word 
and all these rocks can turn into bread. And Jesus can do that, right? Like, like later in the story, he turns water into wine. Jesus has the power over all matter and all nature. He can change molecules. He can do, he can heal people. He has all this power, but he chooses not to do it, and, but he could access it. This is what he says. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And it's interesting. What is this temptation actually? Remember, he's the son of God, but the temptation is take care of your own needs. Don't trust the father. Use your power. If you're the son, surely you can use your power to look after yourself. This is what he's wanting him to do. But Jesus responds with scripture. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knows, right, that actually bread is not what we need to survive. That we need bread, but that we need God. And that without God, we cannot survive at all. And he chooses to respond. He says, I will trust the Father to provide. See, this temptation is really like, if you're the Son of God, look after yourself. But Jesus says, I'm the Son of God. The Son trusts the Father to provide. The Son rests in the Father to provide. And this is a real temptation for us as well, if, 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 especially in the wilderness, especially in a time of difficulty, there's this temptation that can come that we just need to take care of our own needs. That we just do what we can to make our life work. Do what we can to satisfy ourselves. And sometimes things that are not even wrong. It, wouldn't, it wasn't wrong for Jesus to turn bread, to the stones into bread. But the issue was it was breaking trust with his father. And he said, no, I'm going to trust my father. The next one comes. The devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. So Jesus is up high, he can see the whole city, and he comes with this question again. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And now the devil does this interesting thing. He quotes the Bible and says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He quotes this, this part in the Old Testament, it's in a psalm, that says that Jesus, you're the, if you're the son of God and you throw yourself off the high point of the temple, your father promises that he will come to your rescue, that he will send angels, that they'll pick you up, they'll make sure you're not hurt at all. He's saying, if you're really the son of God, this is the temptation, check that God will really look after you. Test it out. If, if it's really true, why don't you confirm it, that God will protect you? because he's promised it. But Jesus again responds, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, we see what Jesus does in this situation. He responds, his response is, I trust my father, I trust him. I don't need to test him. I don't need to check that he will protect me. I don't need to, need to have certainty, I trust him. I rest in him. I know that at all times, the only reason I'm safe is because of him. And again, this can be a real temptation for us, that instead of having this trust, dependence, relationship with God, that we wanna check and be sure and test him. Are you really gonna look after me? Are you really gonna provide for me? Are you really gonna be faithful to me? And, and, and can doubt, and it breaks down this trust. But Jesus' response is to continue to trust. It's interesting, this last one. So there's two that are kind of subtle. 
I was listening to a message on, on that this, this week, and I, I got a fair bit from this guy in Portland. And he said, this last temptation, right, Satan has kind of been subtle. He's kind of been trying to help, almost like coming alongside Jesus and being like, if you're the son of God, just, just look after yourself. If you're the son of God, check that he'll look after you. But this last one is like overt, that now this, this enemy that's against Jesus really shows his hand, plays his cards. You can see what he's all about. This is what it says. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. And now this is obvious, right? Like this, this, this being that wants to destroy the plans of God, he wants to be God. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to take Jesus and, and make him his slave, basically. And he's interesting that he's promising him something that belongs to Jesus. That the scriptures talk about how Jesus has the inheritance of the earth, that Jesus is Lord, that one day he will reign over the whole world. But this temptation is to take a shortcut, to receive it. That Jesus can see all the nations, he can see all the world that's rightfully belongs to him. But he knows that the way to redeem it, the way to save the world is the way of the cross, to die, to, to rise again. But, the, but Satan comes along and says, if you just worship me, I'll give it to you now. But this is obvious, right? This is pulling him away. And Jesus' response is so strong. He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And again, we see like Jesus' response is reject Satan, worship God alone. The, the son worships the father. He loves the father. And you see in Jesus' heart that Jesus doesn't want all his inheritance. He doesn't want all the nations without his father. He wants to worship his father and worship God, not use God. And this again can be a temptation for us, right? That, that maybe God has a call on our lives. Maybe God has things that he wants to give us. Maybe even things that he's promised us. And there can be a temptation to take a shortcut to get it, but that shortcut actually involves stopping worshiping him and worshiping something else. And, it, and it's this distraction. And Jesus knows that there's no life in that, that to walk away from God is actually to, to, to go to this other side of evil and death. So his response is to reject Satan and worship God. Jesus gets to the end of the wilderness and he succeeds. The devil leaves him and the angels come and attend to him and he's basically, they're feeding him like they're giving him food. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and God provides and God comes through and God's looked after him. The interesting thing is like, this is how Jesus succeeds right in the wilderness. But the people of Israel were also in the wilderness. These are God's people that, that he created, that he saved, that he rescued out of Egypt and his plan and desire was that they would be his children, that they would be his son, and that they would trust him. And God did these amazing miracles, and he provided for them in the desert. They didn't have food, and, and he would give them food just out of the ground, bread would form. They had clothes that didn't wear out for 40 years. God like miraculously provided for Israel in the wilderness. But Israel failed to trust God. Even though they'd done, he'd, God had shown his faithfulness, even though God had provided for them amazingly, they, they doubted him, they questioned him, they said, he's not faithful, we don't trust you, we wanna go back to Egypt, we don't wanna go where you wanna go, and, and they failed. And God even 
or Moses speaks to them even, um, if you know the story, that these people fail right, and then they have to go and walk around in the desert for 40 years until a whole generation dies off. And then this new generation is standing ready to go into this promised land that God has promised them. And um, Moses speaks to them. I just want to read a little bit from Deuteronomy 8. And the interesting thing is, when Jesus is in the, in the wilderness, he's thinking about this passage. You know, I, I don't know what you guys have thought when you've read this before, but I always thought like Jesus just has like some random Bible verses that he's got for every situation. And whatever happens, he's just got the Bible verse. But the verses that he quotes are between Deuteronomy 6 and 8, that Jesus has been thinking about Israel in the wilderness. He's been thinking about their story. He's been dwelling on those words of God, and he's ready. And when these temptations come, he responds. This is what Moses says to the people of Israel when they're about to go into the promised land. He says this, You shall remember the whole way of the Lord your God, how he has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you'd keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he may make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See the verse that Jesus quotes. And he keeps going on, but then he says this interesting thing, right? That God has provided for them in the wilderness. But God says, as you go into the promised land now, where I'm going to give you an abundance of food and clothes and, and, and houses and land, I'm going to give you all these good things, the danger there is that you forget me and you don't trust me and you trust those things. And he says, take care lest you forget God. When you've eaten and you're full, when you've built good houses and live in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply, then your heart be lifted up and you forget God. Beware lest you say, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall forget, if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and worship and serve them, I solemnly warn you today, you shall surely perish. He gives this warning to the nation of Israel that, that I provided for you in the wilderness. When I give you these good things, don't forget me, but they do. That God's desires to bless them and have them trust and depend on him, but they fail. They forget him. They, they think we can look after ourselves. We don't need God. He's not good. And they turn to others. And we're just like Israel, right? Jesus succeeds where we have failed. And this story of Jesus and, and, and Satan is similar to the story right at the start of the scriptures between Adam and Eve and Satan. And the start of the whole story, the start of, of history is God creating this world loving people, creating people, humans in his image to have this relationship of trust with him. But then this enemy comes in and causes doubt and says, did God really say that? Is God really good? Actually, he's holding things back from you. He, do, he doesn't want you to be God. He doesn't want you to have this knowledge that he has. And they believe this lie and this relationship of trust between God that humanity is always meant to have had is broken. And you might be able to think about that in your life. Not, not think about maybe what we might normally classify as, as sin, like, like, I don't know, stealing, lying, like sexual immorality. Like, don't think of those things. Just think of just in our hearts that the God who made this world, who loves us, 
that we have not trusted him, that we reject him, that we fail to believe that he is good and have a relationship with him. But Jesus succeeds. Like even through this amazing temptation, even through all this pressure of fasting and these accusations, and he's living as a human, but he succeeds. He lives as a son. He knows his father. He knows he's good. He knows everything depends upon God, and he trusts him. And because of that, because he succeeded, God can forgive us. God recon- we can be reconciled to God, and God's arms are open to us. And he, he says, come back to me, back to relationship. He has done everything required for us to come back to him. He just calls us to trust him, to believe him to come back to this relationship. And then when we're in that, now we live this way of Jesus. Jesus is now our example, and his way is the way of trust in the Father, that we trust that he's a good Father, trust him to provide, trust him to protect, trust him to give us our inheritance when the time is right. That Jesus actually lives out of his identity, which is a son. And because of Jesus, if we believe in him, We are given the right to be called children of God, that who you truly are, if you've believed in Jesus, is a son or a daughter of God. Your father is the creator of the heavens and the earth, who has everything and who upholds everything at all times. And he calls us to live in that identity and trust him. And that's amazing, right? That we don't have to provide for ourselves. We don't have to protect ourselves. We don't have to worship other things. We can worship him and follow him. Sometimes though, like, right, this this can seem like something that we just have to get right. Like, we just have to get it. Like, I believe God, I trust God, that's it. Or we think, I don't trust God, that's it. And we can kind of approach trust like this thing, like you have it or you don't have it. Or like, it's a one-time thing that you trust. But it's not. You look at Jesus and you see it is a continual daily, all the time, trusting and relying upon God. I want to read you this, this quote. It's, it's by Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a bit of an older preacher. It's kind of long, but, but I think this is really helpful, how we can grow in this relationship of trust in him. This is what he says. You and I can never doubt while we look at him and are clear about him. Without him, we are utterly hopeless. It does not matter how long you've been in the Christian life, You are dependent on him for every step. Without him, we can do nothing. We can only conquer our doubts by looking steadily at him and by not looking at them. The way to answer them is to look at him. The more you know him and his glory, the more ridiculous they will become. So keep steadily looking at him. You cannot live in an initial faith. That is what Peter seems to have been trying to do. When he's talking about this, he's telling the story of, of Peter walking on the waves. When Peter's on this boat and Jesus comes to him walking on the water, and Peter has this surge of faith, and he sees who Jesus is and Jesus' power and, and what Jesus can do. And he says, Lord, let me walk to you on the water. And he starts to walk on water doing this amazing thing with amazing faith. But then he starts to see the waves, and he starts to doubt, and he starts to sink. And he cries out to be saved, and Jesus rescues him. But he says, this is what Peter seems to have been doing. He started off with great faith. And then instead of going on with faith, he tries to live on it. You cannot live on initial faith. Do not try to live on your conversion. 
you'll be done before you know where you are. You cannot live on one climatic experience. You must keep looking at him every day. We walk by faith and you live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need him as much on your deathbed as you did on the night you were converted. You need him all the time. And then he starts to talk about the wilderness, how in, when, when um, God provided for Israel in the wilderness, he would give them enough food just for the day, just to get through that day. He said, this is the Lord's method. He does not give us enough for a month. We need a fresh supply every day. So start your day with him and keep in touch with him. That was Peter's fatal error. He looked away from him. It is the fight of faith. You're walking on turbulent waves and the only way to keep walking is to keep looking at him. And maybe, maybe you can think back even to times when God has been really close and it's easy to go back there and stay there. Or maybe when you first met him or maybe um, when you've had a big, amazing experience and it's easy just to stay back there. But every day is, is this relationship of trust, of relying on him. This is the way of Jesus. And this is what you see in Jesus in the wilderness, right? That his face is set on his father. He knows who he is and he trusts him and he's able to hold to it even when distractions come because he's looking and trusting his father, spending time with him for 40 days. Satan comes and says, just, just go look after yourselves. And Jesus says, no, I'm looking at my father. He'll provide. Satan comes, just come and just test it. Make sure you're okay. He says, no, I'll trust my father to protect. He says, come and I'll give you a shortcut. I'll make it easy. He says, no, I'll worship and trust my father. Jesus' face is just set on his father. He knows who he is. He trusts in him and he depends on him. And he knows that that, that is actually the truth, right, for everybody, that everybody is held together by God. Everyone is constantly dependent on him all the time. There is no life apart from him. We trick ourselves and think there is. We trick ourselves and think we can make life work, that we can protect ourselves, that we can shortcut it, but we can't. The only life is in him and in the way of Jesus, and that's why we follow him. As, as just an application um, this, this sort of week, as you're thinking through this, maybe when you're waking up, um, Aaron's doing some cool graphics and stuff with this, and I think he's going to put this on the Facebook and stuff. It's just to, to constantly remember who he is, his faithfulness, and each day just to choose to believe and walk with him each day. Even just this week, like, I've been praying the Lord's Prayer, and the Lord's Prayer says, um, give us at this day our daily bread. And I've just been saying to God, God, just give me faith for today. Like, help me just trust you today. Help me just rely upon you today. And, and we don't have to worry about tomorrow, we don't have to worry about next week, just be with you and rely upon you today. So we're gonna have some time just to sort of respond to that, to respond and think, what does it look like in your life to follow this way of Jesus, this way of a trust relationship with God? Um, and we might have some people to pray. If, you, if you'd like prayer, I'll come up the back and Dave can probably come up the back if you'd like someone to pray for you. And maybe even this is just a time to um, turn back to him and maybe say, Father, I have not been trusting you. Like, I've not been relying upon you. I've been trying to make things happen myself. I've been trying to protect myself. I'm trying to make things happen now. But actually, I need you. I want to rely upon you and rest in you. We're going to pray, pray for us, and then we have some time to respond and have some more songs. That'd be good. Father, thank you so much 
that, that you are our God and that you are good, that, that you've demonstrated that, that this, this world declares who you are and the cross, Jesus, that you would go to the cross out of love for us, shows your love and your concern for us, that you would do everything possible to restore this relationship with you and that, that your desire for us is to live like Jesus, to live fully human, to live resting in you, to live trusting in you, knowing your life. And Father, we just pray that that would be a reality um, in our hearts. Father, that, that you would just move us further on this journey of, of um, growing with you and trusting in you. And Father, I just pray, Lord, um, Father, there's those of us here tonight, Lord, that have, can say, I have not trusted him. I have not been walking with him. Lord, would you enable us to turn and rest in you? Thank you, Jesus, that, that when we do doubt, that when we do fall, we cry out, Lord, save us, and you save us, and you rescue us. Thank you that it's on you, Lord, that you look after us, and we can just rest in you. So would you meet us tonight, Lord? Would you, would you speak into our hearts? Would you do what only you can do, Lord, that you would give us the faith to rest and see you? So Jesus, would you have your way here tonight, we pray. And Father, would you give us um, a strength to hold to you even in the wilderness, to hold to you even when the distractions come, when the lies come, when the questions and the doubts come from the accuser. Jesus, would you help us to be like you and stand fast and trust you and look at you. So Lord, do what you want to do tonight in this place. Just pray this in your name. Amen. So if you do want prayer, feel free to come to the back.